Good morning. It's December 8th. Today is the earliest sunset of the year in New York City. The sun will go down at 4.28 p.m. After this, the sun rises will keep getting worse until the solstice, but the early, miserable nightfall will very slowly start improving. This is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. The lead story on the front of the New York Times is the indictment of Hunter Biden on tax charges. The indictment is a restatement of the well-established fact that Hunter Biden got paid lots of money by foreign businesses for no clear reason and spent it on drugs and fancy living rather than paying his taxes on it. Will the indictment turn this into a new liability for President Biden in the presidential campaign against Donald Trump? The House wants to impeach him over it, but the House wants to impeach him over whatever it can find. The Times doesn't quite rise to the level of both sides in it, but it does say... There is now a very real prospect that President Biden's son will be defending himself in two federal criminal trials during a presidential election year. As Mr. Trump, his father's likely opponent, confronts the possibility of two federal criminal trials in his classified documents and election interference cases. The candidate's child is not exactly the same thing as the candidate. For symmetry's sake, it seems like the best thing to do would just be to indict the Trump children for their various crimes as well. Which brings up the one fun angle in the piece, which is that the person who is speaking on Hunter Biden's behalf is Abby Lowell, the lawyer whose last big spin through the papers was in his previous role as lawyer for Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. On the one hand, he has experience with clients who've taken indefensible, sketchy payments from foreign sources that are clearly meant for influence buying. On the other hand, the man's claim to fame is as a crisis manager, and it's hard to argue that Hunter Biden isn't in a much deeper crisis than he was before Abby Lowell started helping out. Will, being the attorney of record, as a plea deal collapsed into two live ongoing prosecutions, Put a dent in Abby Lowell's future crisis management business? Or is the important thing just to get your name in the paper during the crisis? Elsewhere on page one, a Texas judge issued a restraining order compelling the state of Texas to let a woman who is currently pregnant with a non-viable fetus terminate the pregnancy with an abortion rather than forcing her to assume the risk of continuing the pregnancy to full term. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton responded by sending a letter to the hospital threatening civil suits and criminal prosecution if they do provide the now legally mandated medical care. The Times writes, Mr. Paxton's letter contrasted with the order issued by the judge, which banned the state from enforcing its laws against Ms. Cox's daughter, Damla Carson, as well as anyone else involved in the procedure. Given that Ken Paxton is currently under criminal indictment in another matter, and has been coasting along under criminal indictment for years now, it's hard to see how the fact that what he's doing is illegal is in any way going to stop him from doing it if he wants. And there's a front-page investigation in the Times, about how Bellevue Hospital became an incredibly lucrative and busy center for bariatric surgery, doing stomach reduction procedures on poor and uninsured people, and billing the work to the government for an estimated $34 million worth of revenue this year. Among the allegations in the story are that doctors underdosed patients with anesthesia to wake them up faster and clear the operating room for the next procedure, that people with broken bones, severed fingers, and other emergencies had to wait while the hospital's operating rooms were filled up with patients getting the elective bariatric procedures, and that Bellevue went ahead and did the procedure on patients from Rikers, despite the fact that being locked up meant there was no way they could follow the strict dietary rules for people recovering from bariatric surgery. It's a really good and incredibly damning story. The only two odd elements about it are, one, that it doesn't mention at all the rise of Ozempic and other weight control drugs that reduce the need for bariatric surgery and would make some of the procedures in the article that are already dubious seem even more gratuitous, and two, that the story just gets a little two-column box on the front page and doesn't really sprawl out into a big deal treatment until it gets inside the paper. 
The online version is much splashier. It may be that there's just not enough real estate in the paper. Now that we're in the season for shoveling showpiece articles out the door to make the end-of-year deadline for next year's awards. And inside the paper, Mayor Eric Adams currently has the worst favorability polling since Quinnipiac began polling on New York City mayors in 1996. 28% of New Yorkers in the survey approved of Adams' job performance, and 58% disapproved. A majority of those polled, the Times writes, said that the mayor did not have strong leadership qualities, did not understand their problems, and was not honest or trustworthy. Surely there'll be follow-up from the political analysts who dubbed him the future of the Democratic Party any minute now. That's the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going. And if all goes well, we will talk again on Monday.